I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 77. He will swallow up death in victory, studying a variety of scriptures as we are studying Easter today. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. Alrighty. Here we go. Um, so today for me, as I am recording this right now, is April 3rd. We finished General Conference, two fun-filled, spiritually packed days. Elder Oak slapped, right? Anyway, um, I, I loved all of it. I loved a lot. I took copious notes. Um, so I'm coming off of that to come talk to you, which when you listen to this, it will be April 11th. If you listen to it on the Monday, it comes out, um, about Easter. We're talking about Easter. And as you know, I'm sure if you've looked at the lesson, if you haven't looked at it yet, it is a variety of Easter scriptures. Um, we're in Isaiah, we're in Old Testament, we're in New Testament. We jump around all over the place. We're in some Book of Mormon stuff, like literally everywhere, all the places. Um, now obviously this year we are studying Old Testament, right? And next year we'll be talking about New Testament. Um, but the story, right? The place that we actually get the fullness of Christ's story of his birth, his life, his death, the resurrection, the whole Easter story is in the New Testament. Um, and I love this idea that, like, we know, we know from scriptures that God works line upon line, precept upon precept. And because of this, because we know this, I like the idea that everything in the Old Testament is in similitude of what is to come in the New Testament, that it builds upon, right? Um, so like in Exodus 12, we read about... Moses and the Passover. Um, and it's not a coincidence that Christ is killed during this time, during the Passover season, during this time of the year. Um, so right, the original Passover, just like super brief, just so we can really see the, the parallels here. The original Passover, Pharaoh does not let the children of Israel go. God sends nine plagues, nothing happens. So finally we get to the Passover it's not really the Passover plague, but that's what I'm calling it for this. We get to that particular plague and Moses tells the children of Israel, listen, this is the next plague that's coming. It's going to kill the firstborns. I want to say there's like an angel of death or something in there. That might just be from the movie. I don't remember. Um, I searched through the scriptures and I couldn't find it. And I was thinking, well, maybe it's another. One. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, there's going to be death to the firstborn in each household, unless, unless you do this thing where they go and they find a firstborn male lamb, um, in his first year who is unspotted, unblemished. Right. And then there's more, there's more about like what they do with the lamb afterwards. But the important thing I want to focus on is they kill this lamb and then they take the blood of the lamb and they put it over, whoop, hit my mic, put it over the door 
of the doorway of the home, right? And that this action will tell the angel of death that's coming through and killing all the firstborns will tell this angel, will inform them that, hey, this is children of Israel. These are God's followers. We're skipping this house, right? Um, and this, the, like the lamb is pretty obvious, like right? the similitude of Christ, right? It's God's sacrifice of Christ, his firstborn. Um, Christ is also known as the lamb of God. And we have, I like this idea that Satan and death want to take us, right? Particularly Satan. I don't, I don't see death as like this evil, like bad guy with, you know, the, um, what's it called? <laughs> I'm making them mark. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you see like the Grim Reaper and he's got the big, like pokey thing. Um, I don't see death like that. Um, but this idea that Satan wants to take us with him, right? He wants to take all of us, but those of us who take upon ourselves the name of Christ, right? We paint his blood upon our door, not literally, um, but in a figurative putting his mantle upon us, picking up his cross with him. Um, all of these things are baptismal covenants, right? Th those covenants that we make when we are baptized, that we will take his name upon us, mourn with those that mourn, comfort those who stand in need of comfort, etc., etc. All of these things act as that blood upon the door to mark us as his, to mark us as his followers and that they will protect us um, and not necessarily against the evils of the world, right? Like bad stuff is still going to happen, um, but it will afford us a spiritual protection, if you will. Um, and through that, in the name of Christ, we can be saved um, eternally. So I just love this, this, this um, parallel here. Um, and I love the scripture that we, we reference, right? He will swallow up death in victory. That's the title of this particular lesson. Um, I, oh, dang it. I was going to write it down and I didn't. It's on my phone, which is recording the video. If you go, I don't know if you follow um, David Butler or not. He's the one who does Don't Miss This with Emily Bell Freeman. Um, if you follow him on Instagram, if you don't, I highly recommend you follow him. Unless you don't have Instagram, in which case it's fine. But if you have Instagram, go follow him, Mr. Dave Butler. One of his little highlight bubbles is winning um, Sunday, right? He does this thing where it's like, who won Sunday? And it's like funny things that people said, um, inspirational things people said, all this different stuff. One of them, and I thought of this specifically because of this lesson, one of them, I think it was from like last week or maybe the week before. Um, again, this is General Conference Sunday, so it's going to be a couple of weeks back when you go look at it. But somebody, their child, I think, as they said, they um, were talking about it, they're driving past the cemetery on their way to church. And the kid made some a comment to the, to something to the effect of, um, look at all the Jesus trophies, right? Talking about the headstones. And David Butler commented on this and he was like, I love this as an idea of all of the people who have a headstone are people that got, that Christ has been able to save from death. Um, literally all of us. So even if you don't get a headstone, like you're still safe. But this idea that 
death isn't the end. That's it's we don't just cease to exist. Um, and it's just a change, right? We change our form. Um, anyway, so I like that idea. So I asked on my Instagram people for their favorite things about the Easter story. And so here are some of the, um, things that I got. So I have the resurrection plus Mary Magdalene, right? That particular interaction of Mary Magdalene getting to talk with Christ. Um, I love, I love that he doesn't reveal himself to her immediately. Um, because I think that, I don't know, this is a hundred percent interpretation by Donica. I don't know that this is how the scripture would be read. If you talk to some institute teacher or somebody who studies some scriptorian person, but I like this story and I like that he, that Christ doesn't, Mary Magdalene is crying. She, she sees Christ. She thinks he's a gardener and she's like, where'd you put him? Where's his body? Like, what did you do with him? Like, I just want him. Right. And he kind of lets her sit in this for a little bit. And I don't think it's to be mean. I don't think that he's like mocking her like, girl, you really don't recognize me. Um, I think that it's more that he's sitting with her in this pain. And then he reveals himself to her and he's like, Mary, it's me. And she then it's like, oh my gosh, right? And she has, and they have this conversation of don't touch me. I haven't fully risen to my father yet, right? But I love this little, this interaction that he comes to her. She's the first one who sees him. She's the first one who sees him. Um, the next thing that somebody said was doubting Thomas. Um, and I remember, oh, I want to say somebody gave a talk about doubting Thomas. And I want to say it was over the pulpit, but it might have been like, somebody talked about it in like, um, like a don't miss this kind of video or something like that. Um, I don't remember, but, um, somebody was saying how more of us are doubting Thomas than we probably care to admit. Like all of us want, like none of us want to be doubting Thomas. We all want to be the people that just believed the people that were told Christ has risen again. And they were like, cool. Yes. Awesome. But more of us, I think, are doubting Thomas than we care to admit. I have definitely had my doubting Thomas moments where I'm like, mm, really? Um, I don't believe you. <laughs> like, until I can see it myself, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Um, and I think that it's a beautiful thing that Christ, he does reprimand him, right? That's where we get the whole doubting Thomas thing, right? He does reprimand him a little bit like... You, you, these, these people that are telling you that they saw me, like, are people that you can trust. Like, why didn't you just believe them? Um, but if you still need to come feel my hands, come feel my side, come feel my feet, like come, and he still invites him to come unto him. Um, and I think that that's the powerful part for me is that even those of us who doubt and are unsure and are skeptical, Christ still invites us to come to him. He's like, I get it. I understand why you didn't. I'm a little sad. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that you didn't believe without having to see me. But here I am. So come see me, touch me. Like I'm right here. Um, and I think that that's beautiful. Um, somebody else said they love the symbolism of the Nephites being in total darkness until the sun rises. And that's S-O-N rises. Sun as in son of God. Um, and at the Nephites... When 
Christ goes to the Americas and visits the Nephites after he um, passes is one of my favorite stories. Um, I think that might be the one that we actually read this year on Easter. Um, but I love this idea of Christ. After, like I always think of um, there's all the people and they go, there's a bunch of people that go to the temple, right? And they get to have this really amazing one-on-one interaction with Christ um, before he, because he comes twice, right? He comes the first time and then he comes back and then like everybody knows the second time. But the first time he goes to the temple and he sees all these people and he converses with them and he heals them and he blesses the children and like just this beautiful moment of, and especially knowing, knowing everything that had happened, all of the you know, there's the earthquakes and the darkness and there's this wailing and gnashing of teeth. And it's just this oppressive darkness where even the fire cannot break this darkness. It's so like, I always think it's so intense because you think about it, like typically a typical darkness, if I turn off all the lights in my room and I turn on my phone immediately, I break through the darkness. Like it's not a big light. Um, we have a little power button on our, I'll show you on the YouTube video. We have a little um, baby monitor in our room because when during the day the baby takes his naps in our bedroom. So if I'm upstairs in the kitchen, I want to be able to hear it when he wakes up, right? So we have this little baby monitor in our, in our room. It's the dinkiest little green power light. It's teeny weeny, like maybe like what two centimeters? Like it's not even an inch. It's tiny. In the dark room, when I turn off all the lights after my eyes adjust, I can see the little power light on this, on this thing. Um, and so to have light that is, or darkness that is so oppressive and so thick and so all consuming that even the bright glow of fire can't penetrate it, I think is not a coincidence. I think that it was obviously very purposeful in a, um, in similitude, I guess, if you will, of what life would be like without Christ with like no hope, none, but we have him. He rises. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the, what are they called? The like scripture, the latter day, not latter day scriptures. What are they called? It's like the little kid ones, the living scriptures of when Christ comes to the Nephites. I don't remember when, um, I watched it a bunch of times as a kid. We had like the like sing along one or whatever. And that was one of the parts. There's like this song that goes along with it. It was really pretty. I cried every time. Um, but I remember one time and I don't think anybody ever told me this, but Christ is healing all the children. Right. And he says, behold your little ones. I'm going to cry. <laughs> and the heavens open up and all of these angels come down and there are these children running into the angel's arms. And I don't remember why, but I remember thinking as a kid, I don't ever remember being told this, but I remember thinking as a kid that these are the parents of these children that had just died in this horrible accident or these, you know, in the, in the, all of the earthquakes and everything that had happened right leading up until for Christ. After Christ died, there's all these earthquakes and stuff as he died. And then the three days after, they're just in this darkness, in this terrible, terrible place. Like, I just imagine my own children, like, just, like, being so scared. And then they get to see their parents. 
I don't know. I don't know if that's actually the way that it worked in terms of like, oh, those children got to see their parents because that's what happened. Or if it's just these amazing angels that are coming to bless these beautiful babies. I'm not, I don't know. But somehow that's that that storyline got stuck in my head. So every time I think of this moment, I think of that reuniting of family. And I do think that there was definitely family there. Um, and I think if we were to have that moment today, like my grandmother would be running to hug me, my cousin, my, my, all of my grandparents. I don't <laughs> I, uh, biologically, I don't have any grandparents on the planet anymore. They all passed. And so all of my grandparents would be hugging me. My grandma on my mom's side would be hugging me and telling me how beautiful I am and how much taller I've gotten. And my grandma on my dad's side, I would finally get to meet. And I'll, I just think of this, this reunion moment um, when he has the angels come and, and meet the children. And I think uh, that it's, again, in similitude of what life is going to be like on the other side. I think everything that we have happen in the Old Testament and then within Christ's life is in similitude of something else, right? God builds upon things. Um, and then the last thing, um, actually I asked Jake, <laughs> um, and he said that he likes, he loves the wealthy man that gives his tomb to Christ to have somewhere to put him. Um, and just that act of love and that act of service. Um, anyway, so I was thinking about my favorite moment and I think it is in, in the story of the Easter story. Um, I do love, you know, obviously crying, um, that moment with the angels and, and Christ and the Americas. Um, but I think my favorite thing of, there's probably two parts of the Easter story is actually when Christ is on the cross, there's two parts. One is his forgive them for they know not what they do, because I think that can be applied in our lives so often, especially like when people offend us or if when, um, when people say things or do things that hurt us and they don't know. Um, I think even when people say things and hurt and say things to hurt us, um, like we are like, Oh, they totally knew that they were doing that. Um, how much easier is it? I don't know. For me, I think, it's so much easier for me to forgive people if I think of them like Christ did. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Because it'd be very easy to be like, mm, I don't know, some of these people, like, they pretty much knew what they were doing. And he's like, no, no, they don't. They, have, they, don't, have, they don't have the slightest idea of what it is that they're doing right now. Um, forgive them. And my other favorite moment is, again, on the cross. And he tells, oh, I can't remember now. I knew it a second ago. If I hadn't said this is what it is. He tells one of his disciples to take care of his mom. I just think that's the sweetest thing, that here he is up there, and he's like, hey, make sure you take care of my mom. Make sure that she's okay, um, because she she's going to have a rough time. And I remember, um, and I think I've talked about this on here before. Oh, I'm almost out of time. I was like, oh, this will be a quick one. <laughs> just kidding. We're going to use the full 20 minutes today. Um, I remember talking, I think, I want to say I talked about it on here before, um, but after I had Scott, I remember having this moment where I realized that Christ in Gethsemane 
suffered for his mom. He suffered the pains that Mary had, like the labor pains and the the pains of just being a mom and worrying about your children and the fear and the and all of the heaviness that comes with being a mom. Like there's so much beautiful, wonderful light things that come, but there's also a lot of heaviness that comes. And Christ suffered for those things and he felt them with her and he felt for her, like he felt what she was going to go through as a mom, as watching him up on the cross and watching him pass. And I feel like how, how incredible, how incredible and how beautiful that he really genuinely 100% understands all of it, everything. And he loves us and wants us to be close to him and wants us to choose him so that he can help us. Because he wants to help us, but we have to go to him. There's something said at General Conference today about how the sheep have to choose to follow the shepherd, right? Like they have to follow him into the, into, um, like the little paddock or whatever, I don't know, wherever it is that sheep live, <laughs> they have to follow him inside, um, into the fold. That's what it's called. They have to follow him into the fold. Um, if they choose to stay out in the wilderness, he will come look for them. Um, but he, they have to follow him in, if that makes sense. Anyway, so I'm just going to leave you with that thought and we went out a little over today, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>